It's the Sunday Showcase on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. The following presentation is a production of 63 Audio and the Narada Radio Company, a proud member of the Mutual Audio Network. Do you dare to go down into the cellar? The Cellar, starring the Narada Radio Company and hosted by Cadavera Quivery. and see your beloved Cadavera. <laughs> oh, I hope you can make your way through the crowd. Oh, no, they're not real people, darlings. <laughs> the wax museum in town was going out of business, so I bought their entire chamber of horrors. <laughs> see anybody you recognize? <laughs> We've got all the big names. Over there is Justin Beeble. <laughs> And over here is Miley Cypress. And, oh, right in front of you is David Castlehoff. <laughs> Don't they just scare the life out of you? <laughs> I'll straighten them up later, creeps. By the end of the show, I'll have it arranged just like the Wrinkley's Believe It or Forget About It Museum. But now, it's time to open my big book of wonderfully horrible stories. And I think tonight's tale will chill you in more ways than one. <laughs> Ah, yes. Tonight, fiends, we travel back to 1895, and we're aboard a whaling vessel, specifically in the captain's cabin. Captain Keeney is the skipper, and he's brought his wife along on the voyage. He's a busy man, so he had a pipe organ installed in the cabin for Mrs. Keeney's entertainment. The time is nearing two bells. In other words, one o'clock in the afternoon. The captain's steward is just about to enter the cabin to clear away the luncheon dishes. Let's listen in, shall we?
If I don't get the captain's table clear, before he comes back, he'll have my hide. All he does is pace forward and aft on the deck. Don't he never... Eh? What's that? She's weeping again. The damn cruel... shivering about. Stay by the stove where you belong and you'll find no need of chattering. It's cold. Who do you think it worth, the old man? None of your lip youngin' or I'll learn you. Where was it you've been all the time? The forecastle? Yes. Let the old man see up forward, monkey shine with the handstand. You'll get a hide and you'll not forget in a hurry. Ah, uh, he don't see nothing. He just walks up and down like he didn't notice nobody and stares at the ice to the northern. He's always staring at the ice. Ice, ice, ice. Damn him and damn the ice. Holding us in for nigh on a year. Nothing to see but ice. Stuck in it like a, like a fly in molasses. Shh, he'll hear ye. Aye, damn him. And damn the Arctic seas, and damn this stinking whaling ship of his, and damn me for a fool to ever ship on it. <sighs> he's a, he's a hard man. As hard a man as ever sailed the seas. Aye. The two years we all signed up for are done this day, blessed Christ. Two years of this dog's life and no luck in the fishing, and the hands half starved with the food running low, rotten as it is, and not a sign of him turning back for home. Home. I begin to doubt if ever I'll set foot on land again. What is it he thinks he's going to do? Keep us all up here after our time is worked out till the last man of us is starved to death or frozen? We've grub enough hardly to last out the voyage back if we started now. What are the men going to do about it? Did you hear any talk in the forecastle? They said if if he don't put back Sal for home today, they're gonna mutiny. Mutiny? Aye, tis the only thing they can do, and serve him right after the manner he's treated them, as if they weren't no better than dogs. The ice is all broke up to Souther. There's clear water as far as you could see. He ain't got no excuse for not turning back for home, the men says. He won't look nowhere but northern, where there's only the ice to see. He don't want to see no clear water. All he thinks on is getting the isle. It's as if it was our fault he ain't had good luck with the whales. I think the man's mighty nigh losing his senses. Do you really think he's crazy? Aye, it's the punishment of God on him. Did you ever hear of a man who wasn't crazy do the things he does? Who but a man that's mad would take his woman and as sweet a woman as ever was on a stinking whaling ship to the Arctic seas to be locked in by the rotten ice for nigh on a year and maybe lose her senses forever? For it sure shall never be the same again. She used to be awful nice to me before she got like she is. Aye, she was good to all of us. Twould have been hell on board without her. 
for he's a hard man, a hard, hard man, a driver if there ever was one. <laughs> I hope he's satisfied now, driving her on till she's near lost her mind, and who could blame her? Tis a God's wonder we're not a ship full of crazed people with the damned ice all the time and the quiet so thick you're afraid to hear your own voice. She don't never speak to me no more. Just looks at me as if she didn't know me. She don't know no one but him. She talks to him when she does talk, right enough. She does nothing all day long now but sit and sew. And then she cries to herself without making no noise. I've seen her. Aye, I could hear her through the door a while back. She's crying now. God send his soul to hell for the devil he is. It's himself. Turn to. Take your rag. Wipe down the organ. Look busy. I'll get back to clearing the table. Ooh. We can talk in here, Mr. Mate. Eh? What's this? It would be like hitting a worm. It is nigh on two bells, Mr. Steward. And this truck not cleared yet? Yes, sir. Instead of doing your rightful work, you've been below here, gossiping old woman's talk with that boy. Get out of this, you. Clean up the chart room. Uh, aye, aye, sir. Pick up that dish, Mr. Steward. Yes, sir. The next dish break, Mr. Steward. You take a bath in the Bering Sea at the end of a rope. Yes, sir. Well, what is it, Mr. Mate? I weren't specially anxious the man at the wheel should catch what I wanted to say to you, sir. That's why I asked you to come below. Speak your say, Mr. Slocum. I'm afeard there'll be trouble with the hands by the look of things. They'll likely turn ugly, every blessed one of them, if you don't put back. The two years they signed up for is up today. And do you think you're telling me something new, Mr. Slocum? I felt it in the air this long time past. Do you think I've not seen their ugly looks and the grudging way they worked? David? Well, Annie? David, I... Uh, Captain, I'll be going. Wait. Yes, yeah, sir. Do you want anything, Annie? I thought maybe I'd go up on deck, David, to get a breath of fresh air. <clears throat> it's uh, too cold, Annie. You'd best stay below today. There's nothing to look at on deck but ice. I know. Ice... Ice, ice, but there's nothing to see down here, but these walls, oh! You can play the organ, Annie. I hate the organ. It puts me in mind of home. I got it just for you. I know. Ah, water, clear water, as far as I can see. How good it looks after all these months of ice. <sighs> now I must go up on deck and look at it, David. Best not today, Annie. Best wait for a day when the sun shines. But the sun never shines in this terrible place. Best not today, Annie. Very well, David. Annie. Yes, David? Me and Mr. Slocum has business to talk about. Ship's business. Very well, David. 
Best not have her on deck if there's going to be any trouble. Yes, sir. And trouble there's going to be. I feel it in my bones. <clears throat> yeah. Got yourn? Yes, sir. Not that we'll have to use them. Not if I know their breed of dog. Just to frighten them up a bit. I ain't never been forced to use one yet. And trouble I've had by land and by sea as long as I can remember. And we'll have till my dying day, I reckon. Then you ain't going to turn back? Turn back? Mr. Slocum, did you ever hear of me pointing south for home with only a measly 400 barrel of isle in the hold? Yeah, no, sir. But the grub's getting low. There's enough to last a long time yet if they're careful with it. And there's plenty of water. They say it's not fit to eat what's left. And the two years they signed up for is up today. They might make trouble for you in the courts when we get home. To hell with them. Let them make what law trouble they can. I don't give a damn about the money. I've got to get the aisle. You ain't turning no damn sea lawyer, be you, Mr. Slocum? Oh, not by a hell of a sight, sir. What do the fools want to go home for now? Their share of the 400 barrel wouldn't keep them in chewing tobacco. They wants to get back to their folks and things, I suppose. And you want to turn back, too. Don't lie, Mr. Slocum. It's writ down plain in your eyes. I hope, Mr. Slocum, you ain't a-goin' to jine the men agin me. That ain't fair, sir, to see such things. I warn't much afeard of that, Tom. You've been with me nigh on ten year, and I've learned you wailin'. No man can say I ain't a good master if I be a hard one. I weren't thinking of myself, sir. About turnin' home, I mean. But Mrs. Keeney, sir, seems... Like, she ain't just satisfied up here, ailin'-like, what with the cold and bad luck and the ice and all. That's my business, Mr. Slocum. I'll thank you to steer a clear course of that. The ice'll break up soon to northard. I could see it startin' today, and when it goes and we get some sun, Annie'll perk up. It ain't the damned money what's keeping me up in the northern seas, Tom, but I can't go back to Homeport with a measly 400 barrel of isle. I die first. I ain't never come back home in all my days without a full ship. Ain't that truth? Yes, sir. But this voyage, you've been icebound and... And do you suppose any of them would believe that? Any of them skippers I'd beaten voyage after voyage? Can't you hear them laughing and sneering? Tibbets and Harris and Sims and the rest? And all a Homeport making fun of me? Dave Keeney, what boasts he's the best whaling skipper out of Homeport, coming back with a measly 400 barrel of isle. Hell, I got to get the isle, I tell you. How could I figure on this ice? It's never been so bad before in the 30 year I've been a-coming here. And now it's breaking up. In a couple of days, it'll all be gone. And there's whale here, plenty of them. I know they is, and I ain't never gone wrong yet. I got to get the isle. I got to get it in spite of all hell, and by God, I ain't a-going home till I do get it. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> oh, Annie.
Don't be standing there like a gawk harpooner. Speak up. Uh, we want the men. So they want to send a deputation after to have a word with you. Tell them to go to... <sighs> Tell them to come. I'll see them. Aye, aye, sir. Here it comes, the trouble you spoke of, Mr. Slocum, and we'll make short shift of it. It's better to crush such things at the start than let them make headway. Should I wake up the first mate and the fourth, sir? We might need their help. No, let them sleep. I'm well able to handle this alone, Mr. Slocum. Well, who's to speak for you? I be. So you be. Then speak your say and be quick about it. The time we signed up for is done today. You're telling me nothing I don't know. You ain't pinting for home yet, far as we can see. No, and I ain't a going to till the ship is full of iron. You can't go no further north with the ice before you. The ice is breaking up. The grub we're getting now is rotten. It's good enough for you. Better men than ye are have eaten worse. We ain't going to work no more unless you puts back for home. You ain't, ain't you? No. And the law courts will say we was right. To hell with your law courts. We're at sea now, and I'm the law in this ship. And every mother son of you what don't obey orders goes in irons. Then we're a-going to mutiny and take the old hooker home ourselves. Ain't we, boys? (laughs) 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 Hold still. You've found out it ain't safe to mutiny on this ship, ain't you? And now get forward where you belong and drag him with you. And remember, the first man of you I see shirking, I'll shoot dead as sure as there's a sea under us, and you can tell the rest the same. Get forward now, quick! Best, best get up on deck, Mr. Slocum, and see to it they don't try none of their skulking tricks. We'll have to keep an eye peeled from now on. I know of that. Yes, sir. Hey, Annie? There, there, Annie, don't be afeard. It's all past and gone. Bear what, Annie? All this horrible brutality. All these brutes of men in this terrible ship, in this prison cell of a room, and the ice all around, and the silence. Remember, I weren't hankering to have you come on this voyage, Annie. I wanted to be with you, David. Don't you see? I didn't want to wait back there in the house all alone. As I've been doing these last six years, since we were married, waiting, and watching, and fearing, with nothing to keep my mind occupied, not able to go back to teaching school on account of being Dave Keeney's wife. I used to dream of sailing on the great, wide, glorious ocean, 
I wanted to be by your side in the danger and vigorous life of it all. I wanted to see you as the hero they make you out to be in Homeport. And instead, all I find is ice and cold and brutality. I warned you what it'd be, Annie. Whalin' ain't no ladies' tea party, I says to you, and you'd better stay to home where you've got all your woman's comforts. But you were so set on it. Oh, I know it isn't your fault, David. You see, I didn't believe you. I guess I was dreaming about the old Vikings in the storybooks, and I thought you were one of them. I'd done my best to make it as cozy and comfortable as could be. I even sent to the city for that organ for you, thinking it might be soothing to you to be playing at times when they was calms and things was dull-like. Yes, you were very kind, David. I know that. I won't stand it. I can't stand it. Pent up by these walls like a prisoner. <laughs> Took me away from here, David. If I don't get away from here, out of this terrible ship, I'll go mad. Take me home, David. I can't think anymore. I feel as if the cold and the silence were crushing me down on my brain. I'm afraid. Take me home. <laughs> Best go to bed, Annie. You ain't yourself. You got fever. Your eyes look so strange-like. I ain't never seen you look this way before. <laughs> it's the ice, the cold, the silence. They make anyone look strange. <laughs> In a month or two, with good luck, three at the most, I'll have her filled with aisle, and then we'll give her everything she'll stand and pint for home. But we can't wait for that. I can't wait. I want to get home. And the men won't wait. They want to get home. It's cruel. It's brutal for you to keep them. You must sail back. You've got no excuse. There's clear water to the south now. If you have a heart at all, you've got to turn back. I can't, Annie. Why can't you? A woman couldn't rightly understand my reason. Because it's a stupid, stubborn reason. Oh, I heard you talking with the second mate. You're afraid the other captains will sneer at you because you didn't come back with a full ship. You want to live up to your silly reputation, even if you have to beat and starve men and drive me mad to do it. It ain't that, Annie. Them skippers would never dare sneer to my face. It ain't so much what anyone say, but... <sighs> you see, I've always done it since my first voyage as skipper. I always come back with a full ship and it don't seem right not to... Somehow. I've been always first whaling skipper out of Homeport, and don't you see my meaning, Annie? Annie, ain't you hear the word I've said? Best turn in, Annie, there's a good woman. You ain't well. David, won't you please turn back? I can't, Annie. Not yet a while. You don't see my meaning. I got to get the aisle. It would be different if you needed money, but you don't. You've got more than plenty. It ain't money I'm thinking of. Do you think I'm as mean as that? No. I don't know. I can't understand. Oh, I want to be home in the old house once more. And see my old kitchen again. And hear a woman's voice talking to me. And be able to talk to her. Two years. It seems so long ago. As if I'd been dead and could never go back. 
Best go to bed, Annie. You ain't well. I used to be lonely when you were away. I used to think Homeport was a stupid, monotonous place. Then I used to go down on the beach, especially when it was windy and the breakers were rolling in. And I dream of the fine, free life you must be leading. <laughs> I used to love the sea then. But now, I don't ever want to see the sea again. Tis no fit place for a woman, that's sure. I was a fool to bring you. How long would it take us to reach home? If we start it now? About two months, I reckon, Annie, with fair luck. That would be August. The latter part of August, wouldn't it? It was on the 25th of August we were married, David, wasn't it? Uh, don't you remember? My memory is leaving me. Up here in the ice. It was so long ago. It's June now. The lilacs will be all in bloom in the front yard. And the climbing roses on the trellis to the side of the house. They're budding. <laughs> Go in and rest, Annie. You're all wore out crying over what can't be helped. You love me, don't you, David? Love you? Why do you ask me such a question, Annie? But you do, don't you, David? Tell me. I'm your husband, Annie, and you're my wife. Could there be aught but love between us after all these years? Then you do love me. Say it. I do, Annie. <sighs> I sometimes think if we could only have had a child. And I've always been a good wife to you, haven't I, David? No man ever had a better, Annie. And I've never asked for much from you. Have I, David? Have I? You know you could have all I got the power to give you, Annie. Then do this. This once. For my sake. For God's sake. Take me home. It's killing me, this life. The brutality and cold and horror of it. I'm going mad. I can feel the threat in the air. I can hear the silence threatening me. Day after gray day, and every day the same. I can't bear it. <laughs> I'll go mad. I know I will. Take me home, David. If you love me as you say, I'm afraid. For the love of God, take me home. <laughs> I'll do it, Annie. For your sake. If you say it's needful for you. God bless you for that, David. The ice is breaking up to the northern, sir. There's a clear passage through the flow. And clear water beyond the lookout says. I, 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 a clear passage? To Northard? <gasps> yes, sir. Then get her ready and we'll drive her through. Aye, aye, sir. David! Will the men turn to willin' or must we drag him out? They'll turn to willin' enough. You put the fear of God into them, sir. They're meek as lambs. Then drive them, both watches. 
There's whale to other side of this floor, and we're going to get him. Aye, aye, sir. Then I was a going home like a yeller dog. David! Woman, you ain't a doing right when you're meddling men's business and weaken them. You can't know my feelings. I got to prove a man to be a good husband for you to take pride in. I got to get the aisle, I tell you. David, aren't you going home? You ain't well. Go, go and lay down a mite. I got to get on deck. said you was a going mad. God! Well, sir, a whole school of them off the starboard quarter about five miles away. Big one! Are you lowering the boats? Yes, sir. I'm a-coming with you. Did you hear him? I'll get the eye. <laughs> I know you're fooling me, Annie. You ain't out of your mind. Be you? I'll get the aisle now, right enough. Just a little while longer, Annie. Then we'll turn homeward. I can't turn back now. You see that, don't you? I got to get the aisle. Answer me. You ain't mad, be you?
Oh, thank the dark gods you're back. Quick, help me push this wax figure back into place. Oh, 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 there. Oh, thank you so much. mm, There now. Doesn't everything look wonderful? Oh, yes. All my new friends. See how I have them all arranged, like a little tableau. All the bodies stacked up here, and all the heads in this basket over here, and the guillotine in the middle. Vive la France! (laughs) And so, my fiends, tonight's episode was called Isle, the twelfth episode of The Cellar. It was originally a stage play written by that great American playwright Eugene O'Neill, first published in 1919, and adapted for audio by Pete Lutz. And I, of course, am your hostly ghost, (laughs) your ghostly host, Cadavera Quivery. (laughs) So, until next time, creeps, remember... Don't take candy from stranglers. <laughs> the Cellar is produced and directed by Pete Lutz. The theme was composed and performed by Tom Rory Parsons. Our cast consisted of the following players. Pete Lutz as the steward and Captain Keeney. George Hatfield as Ben... Mark Kalita as the mate, Ebony Rose as Mrs. Keeney, and Gareth Severn as Joe. The organ was played by Dr. Ross Bernhardt. Cadavera Quivery is played by Angela Young. The Cellar is a 63 audio production mixed and mastered in Corpus Christi, Texas. With this episode, we wind up season one of The Cellar, and we hope you will join us again soon for the season two premiere. The first place winner of our audio drama scriptwriting competition, Adrian Corey's Terror on Edge Island. Here's a scene from that episode. While engaging, your enthusiasm may prove costly, <coughs> Professor. Slow and steady wins the race. <laughs> He's toying with you, Professor. I agree. He's a confidence trickster with a, a few apocryphal tales to wrest cash off the gullible. It's, it's why you're on the island. Oh, is that so? Wait, Knut, stop. Why did the Russians leave so quickly? Because they found something in the permafrost. The Putinov? And now we've reached the point where you honor our agreement. I will reward you. You have my word. <gasps> Professor! This is ridiculous. He's just toying with you. I'll I, take wait? you at your word, Professor. Appreciate it. Uh, so, uh, please, g- go on. The Putinif are not of this world. I knew it! On behalf of Pete Lutz and the entire Narada Radio Company, this is Graham Rowett, thanking you for listening to... The Special thanks to John Bell and Paul RBC for providing crewmen's voices. Sixty-three audio. This is mutual.
Find me a story. One I would like to hear. Like to hear. Find me a story. One that I would like to hear. Find me a story. One I would like to hear. One I would like to hear. Shh. I want you to believe. To believe in things that you cannot. I was a screen. I was their protector. The more I saw, the less they would. It is one thing to mortify curiosity. Another to conquer it. Murders like a million dollar lottery. You pick up the newspaper, you see someone's picture who's won a million dollars. You pick up another paper and there's a picture of someone who's been murdered. It's never me, it's never you. It's always somebody else, isn't it? I could easily forgive his pride if he had not mortified mine. What is it which makes a man and a woman know that they, of all other men and women in the world, belong to each other? There, as if dropped from the heaven, stood the figure of a solitary woman, dressed in white garments. There is a man who would give his life to keep a life you love beside you. To love and have loved, that is enough. The first secret is what we don't tell people. The second secret is what we don't tell ourselves. And the third secret is the truth. If you look the right way, you could see that the whole world is a garden. If I'm a princess in rags and tatters, I can be a princess on the inside. If you were a bird and lived on high, you'd lean on the wind when the wind came by. You'd say to the wind when it took you away, that's where I wanted to go today. From the producer of such classics as Brief Encounter and Rebecca, Rachel Pulliam brings you Showcase Classics, a brand new series for Dream Realm Enterprises. Now you seem to me to be a connoisseur of the best of radio drama. In which case, make sure you're subscribed to the Monday Matinee Feed. There we have our weekly series of dramatic, theatrical, classic, eclectic and live radio drama. So yeah, either the main Mutual Audio Network feed for all types and genres of audio drama, or the Monday Matinee. And we'll see you there. The Mutual Audio Drama Network. Where we listen and imagine together. 